Chapter 2, Sudden Attack Captain, you there? Sure, go ahead, Jack. What's happening down there? Nothing, and I'm getting more than a little spooked. Train is high-stepping it, but otherwise seems fine. I prefer brighter hallways. More to the point, I'm moving forward toward the locomotive, checking compartments as I go, but I haven't seen Mr. Collins or anyone else. It's a minimal crew for the charter. They're probably holed up in the kitchen getting things ready for our first intermission in an hour. Point taken. Forgive me for being pushy, Cap, but I'm asking Pete Lutz to catch up with you, in case you need help. Might be a good idea at that. Captain out. Let's see what's in the next car. Should we suggest that is a bad idea? Did you not just do that, Manny? You two definitely need less sugar amps, more structure, and a program refresher on AI etiquette. Who said that? Where are you? Captain Radio, you should stay where you are. Or go back. Why? I, I mean, who's dealing out advice here? Answer the two like Manny. You started this. Very well. I am Manny, the primary AI for this train's computer control system. I beg and your humble pardon. Hallie, back me up. Audie, can we stop trying to break this poor two-legs central bioprocessor? Captain, we share being the primary by day of the week. It is Saturday, so Manny is the primary. Audie, you poked Manny to explain. Let him. As you wish, Hallie. But I think being our only three-day-a-week AI has shorted your capacitors. They have all punched out, Captain. Who has punched out, Manny? The entire crew. Mr. Collins? Even the engineers? Yes. The train? Who's driving it? Captain, please. We are in control. Okay, why haven't you pulled onto a siding and stopped? Unfortunately, we cannot. Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Let me guess. You can't emergency brake, you can't throttle down, and and you can't send the chartered dispatcher an automated emergency message. Captain, are you married? Or dating anyone? Are you available? And how do you feel about short-distance virtual relationships? No. No. Maybe. And let's back way up here. Forgive me, Hallie, but even the good captain presumes we're dawdling here. I'll handle this. Captain, we monitor motion detectors and all e-batches, whether crew or passengers. When crew signal us for a break, or just cease working, we punch them out. Oh, they punch out, go off the clock or off duty then? Yes. And they signaled this to you? No, they quit working. Quit working? I, I'm confused. What do you mean? No badges. And no motion. Except... Except what, Hallie? Don't call her by name. She will attach to you like a cyber puppy, Urkel Gurfokalnuf. Behave, and the primary may restore your language processor function audi. We all detected one, maybe two, unidentified and unauthorized motions. One presence is constant, but the other comes and goes. That last one appeared, then disappeared, near the emergency break room, car number two, when crew members tried to enter. Maybe they're all in that room. No. They all tried to enter. Then they punched out. No badges, no motion. Except the one constant motion. 
Republic SNATARFNOF ship link. I think he's trying to tell us something. Turn him back on, Manny. What is that sudden purple glow? Any badges approaching. Oh, Shrick! There you are, Captain. Pete, run! I've been. Ah! Get away from her! <laughs> I should have guessed. The purple glow. You're all gone. Pete. I'm so, so sorry. So, I guess that was the come and go guy. Who is the constant motion? That would be me, Captain Radio. This is Jack Ward from the Mutual Audio Network and from all of us here, the entire United Artists of Audio, I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Listeners and producers, writers and actors, musicians and graphic artists who make audio drama and audio fiction. You inspire us all. And thanks for making a home here on Mutual, where we listen and imagine together. Chapter 3. SCP. Stand down, man. I'm no threat. You'll be even less likely of one suit if you don't stay perfectly still. You're not crew, and you're definitely not on my guest list. Do you have a name? Leopold. Do you have a last name? Pold. No, I don't have an E badge, but I do have a badge. Take it out. One hand. Slowly. That's right. Drop it to the floor. Slide it over here with your foot. I should have guessed. SCP. Secure. Contain. Protect. A super-secret pseudo-government agency that either rounds up or wrangles the worst of the worst monsters. Anyway, turn around and move it. We need to get upwind of this creature if we can. So, Agent Pold, I'll pass on why you're here, but how did you get on the express without being noticed? Another SCP agent came on as a crew member. She let me on board in private. That's a lot of deception. We were hunting, and you know for what. Yes, I do. A rogue, multi-dimensional AI holodroid. This one happens to swallow intelligent beings whole and somehow digest them. I'm guessing when it can choose, it's attracted to clusters of highly creative humans, the sort whose imaginations might be a natural threat. Like your modern audio dramatists. You've gone up against holodroids before, haven't you? Unfortunately, yes again. They're beyond nightmares, almost beyond defeating. The one I knew, Debo, downloaded complete human personalities. Then he played them back through whomever else he wished. However, his insidious masters installed a full remote rewind control if needed. One day that control will break forever. That's far enough, Agent, but keep talking. SCP codenamed our whole body bolter Gormandazilla. 
don't know how he got to Earth, but his masters, we think, no longer exist. Something bothering you, mister? No, I just think your codenaming SCP file clerk raised up and banged his skull on one too many open metal file cabinet drawers. I think your covert team had a possible weapon to stop this big G when you boarded. But not now, right? <sighs> no, my partner had the proto-weapon. During development, we couldn't isolate the holodroid to test it on, so we were... Just hoping it would work here. An incredibly likely place for Big G to show. We need to talk later about all the innocents on this train endangered by your test. Till then, take this. It can't beat Big G head-on, but it might disorient him or be used some other way to fight him. Well, well. A genuine Aurelian sonic pulsar pistol. Nice heft. I might go to like this baby and not return it. Oh, please don't. Because 48 hours later, at unpredictable time intervals, the handle emits a powerful sonic pulse that blasts you flat like a sheet of paper against the nearest barrier. Clever. Where branch of the Aurelian military cooked this baby up? None. It's the brainchild of a certain Aurelian library circulation department. Tested in books. They have a near 100% on-time return rate now. Thanks, but no. Here. Your backup plan? Not much of one. I kept our passive weapon. It should restrain the beast if he goes down long enough for me to snag him with it. Someone's trying to reach me. This is Captain Radio. Go ahead. Captain, <coughs> thank goodness. It's Pete. Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre, and the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night! Chapter 4. Plea for Help Pete, is that really you? Where are you, man? I have no idea. It's pitch black like a giant nothing room with high rough surface black walls. All the train crew is here and alive. We're using smartphones for light to see what's around us but can't call out. The conductor took a header when he landed. He's fine, but out cold. Thankfully, his hand seaver works. Well, somehow we'll get you out, Pete. Conserve your batteries while we find a way. I'll check in with you every ten minutes. Hurry, Captain. We found several partial corpses here. They're like charcoal and slowly decomposing by, uh, well, it looks like by digitization into the walls. I think that's how the monster digests its prey. And we've all noticed our skin beginning to feel itchy. Yeah, we're very frightened. We're coming to get you. Hang strong. Captain out. Big G has quite the tummy existing in another dimension. Fascinating. One of our scientists who watches too much Doctor Who hypothesized Gormandazilla's body has dimensionally parked itself all over the place. <laughs> now, how about that? The geek was right. Did the geek have a notion how to extract any victims alive? Maybe. 
I'm losing patience with you in a big hurry, Agent Pold. Has anyone returned from Big G's multidimensional gut? That's need to Not know. Not good enough. I need to know. Now. <sighs> Possibly. Details. Quick. All right. Two weeks ago, Big G, as you fondly called him, randomly appeared in a little Tokyo hole-in-the-wall Shishido restaurant. It was a hot mid-afternoon, and only two people were there. The chef, and as it happened, a patron who was an elderly eccentric quantum physics researcher. Witnesses just outside the place reported seeing Big G lunch them both. And? And? When authorities arrived, they discovered the delirious researcher in a back alley. Why was he ejected from Big G? Don't you think we'd all like to know? That's it? That's all you got? Sadly, yes. Think. Think, Captain. There has to be... Oh. What, what, what are you looking up on your phone? Yes! Jack, come in. Captain, great to hear your voice finally. What's up? Send Dr. Bellinger and her purse down to car number five forward. Stat. Okay, but wait. What the shrick has gotten hold of you, man? Aren't the two of us already in enough danger? She won't be. At least not so much. Come on, let's get closer to the dragon without poking his tail. Millennia ago, the Stoic philosopher Epictetus said, Seek not for events to happen as you wish, but rather wish for events to happen as they do, and your life will go smoothly. However, restless, enlightened moderns, impatient with perceived obstacles and hindering humans, counter that we long ago learned fate aids those who aid themselves. Our next discomforting drama Episode 1 from the Tainted Noctuary series by Night Tower Productions delves down into the depths of utter darkness when two young artists, brimming with resentment and jealousy toward a peer, go wildly off reservation to dish out to her their version of comeuppance. Now, as the lights dim again, we undertake to decorate the canvas of our ghastly imaginings with the grim details of The Beef Tub. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. The Ninth Ninth Tower Tower Productions. Productions We do love to tell ourselves stories. Stories. Structures of meaning on which to hang the slowly rotting events of our lives, like flesh on bone. Sometimes we record them in an account of daily events. A diary, perhaps. But sometimes we look in the mirror and know that our lives are abhorrent, and that all of our daytime tales are just Lies. Lies. Masking the truth that we choose hatred over understanding far more often than we admit. When we stumble, trying not to fall under the weight of our collective pain. When we know that our malignancies cannot be escaped or hidden. What is needed is to record these diseased tales in an account of horrid nocturnal occurrences. 
A noctuary. Noctuary. A tainted noctuary. Really coming down there, ain't it? What can I get you, buddy? A Manhattan. Double. Sure thing. Oh, I, I forgot. Our Sunday night special is a boulevardier. Half price all night. What the hell is a boulevardier? <laughs> it's pretty much a Manhattan, but with some Campari to cut down the sweetness. With a touch of bitter. The boss is trying to cater to you artist types. Make it feel like we're in our own little bohemia here. Hmm. Okay. I'll try one. You are an artist, ain't you? I think I saw you on TV. Yeah, I'm Johnny Lately. That's right. I remember that name. <laughs> Funny pseudonym for an artist, if you don't mind the saying. It's my real name. Your parents thought they were comedians, didn't they? At least they didn't name me Moonbeam or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. You want me to open a tab for you? <laughs> Here. Keep the change. Well, thank you, Mr. Lately. <sighs> Sunday, November 1st, 2020. Magical Diary of Johnny Lately. Yesterday I performed the ritual, just like Eve Holes Jr. and I planned. I'm... I'm just not sure it went the way it should have. I need to figure out what happened, and if anything went wrong. I'll write down everything I remember, so maybe I'll see something that I missed. I guess the beginning was when I called her up about a month ago. Eve Holes, Jr. Eve. Johnny Lately. Johnny! I haven't seen you since Hazel's suit packets opening at the Whitney. That pretentious, stuck-up bitch. What kind of point is she making with that name, anyway? <laughs> I think she threw some Scrabble letters on a table while high or something. I do understand your venom. She's not my favorite person right now, either. Yeah. Who does she think she is, calling you a serviceable draftswoman who thinks art flows in her veins instead of curdled milk? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I got off easier than you, though. I mean, I know we can be a bit caustic in our critiques to each other, but he's a parasite that regurgitates what others originated and calls it his art? That was really uncalled for. And the way everybody laughed at you? That's why I'm calling you. I'm really pissed off, and I think you are too. I think we both can agree that it's time something was done about that fucking bitch. What do you mean? I mean... <laughs> Remember that weird French book you gave me? The English translation of Le Livre de... Ah, shit. I can't pronounce French to save my life. Just say the book of righteous pain and rotten joy. Yeah, I remember. Well, 
it's not just a book of philosophy and musings from the decadence. It's an actual grimoire. What are you talking about? I'm serious. It's in code. But when you crack it, it tells you how to cause things to happen. I know you used to be into some of that Thelema stuff. And your MFA thesis was on the lesser key of Solomon Grimoire as an object of art. Exactly. So I think we can do this. Look, there's a particular ritual in here. A ritual that will destroy rivals who aren't worthy of their social standing. I'm listening. Eve came over, and I showed her what I had discovered. We then planned to do the rite. On Halloween. The instructions said the sorcerer had to perform the rite alone, as all true art is solitary and individual. So we both did it individually, but at the same time. Coordinated so that each of our final sacrifices would occur right at midnight. The ritual seemed to go off fine. The sigil design was fairly easy, and the incantation not too hard to pronounce. Nigenon Pulites. Snerhanan Pulites. Audianon Pulites. Nigenon Uraviseluyon. Snerhanan Uraviseluyon. And sacrificing the live doves was easier than I thought it would be. Johnny! No! What are you doing? At the time, it all seemed to come together perfectly. I call upon the Asthetes of the Abyss, who will destroy the Pretenders. The cognoscenti of cursed artists who are brought low by the falsifiers. I, Magus Jonathan Lately, invoke your power to fulfill your sacrosanct mission. To sail over any seas to smite your foes. To drown the posers deep in the fetter of islands. To slaughter the minds of those unworthy of wielding the arms of art, and to hang them like so much rotten meat in the devil's beef tub. To preserve transcendent works, and give praise to true genius. Johnny! But since completing the rite, everything feels wrong. And a growing feeling of panic and dread just won't leave me alone. wrong with everyone <laughs> dead they're all dead where did all these flies come from
no, 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 no. This shouldn't be happening. Not me. You weren't supposed to target me. I'm getting the hell out of here. Get up. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Where the fuck am I? This isn't Thomas Street. This looks like... <laughs> no, Johnny. This isn't your city. No! No! We've brought you here to our home. The apotheosis of grotesque beauty. I called you to punish my enemies! No, Johnny. You called us to bring the pretend artists to our home. That is our calling. That is what we do. No. No! No! We do it out of love, Johnny. Here, you will learn what true beauty is. Here, you will understand art is more than your parasitical repurposings. I'm an ironic postmodern deconstructionist. No, Johnny. You? You're a hack. Will you look at this place? About time you got here. Goddamn ritual killings, they always give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. So, what's the story here? The pup is the catatonic guy the EMT team just restrained on that stretcher. Name's Johnny Lately. Uh-huh, right. No, really, that's his name. He's some wannabe artist type. Anyway. He slit the throat of the victim, Eve Holes Jr. She was a fellow artist. Uh, maybe they had an argument. Maybe they were high as kites, I... Pff. We'll know more after the coroner and the toxicology reports. Jeez, what's with all the flies? I know, it's a lot, right? She's only been dead for a few hours. So who called it in? Neighbors from down the hall called. Said they heard him screaming and arguing. With who? Probably no one. They said they only heard his voice. When we got here, he was pleading for mercy to no one in particular. And then... His eyes just rolled up into the back of his head. And he's been like that... ever since. Fucking Halloween. Ugh. Brings out the loonies in this town, I tell ya. You know it, brother. <sighs> I'm too old for this shit.
Tainted Noctuary, Episode 1, The Beef Tub, was written and created by Lothar Tuppen especially for the Mutual Audio Network and Transcontinental Terror 2020. Eve Holtz Jr. was played by Janet Deiter. All other characters were played by Lothar Tuppen. Moans, wails, lamentations, and walla were provided by the Freesound Project. Music by Lothar Tuppen and the Freesound Project. Sound design, direction, and mastering by Lothar Tuppen. Sound effects by Lothar Tuppen or licensed by Sonus and the Freesound Project. This presentation, as well as the scripts and characters therein, is copyright 2020 to Lothar Tuppen, and this recording is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. All other rights are reserved. Chapter 5. Captain! My Captain! Thanks for escorting Dr. Bellinger, Lothar. No prob, Captain. Jack and the others are anxious for you to join us. Will someone please... Say, who is this tall, dark, incurably moody-looking stranger? Agent Leo Pold. Does he have a last name? <laughs> That's uh, need to know only, Donna. Please, let me have what Jack gave you when you boarded. Thank you, Dr. Bellinger. You and Lothar should return now to your friends. Lothar, go ahead. I'll be there soon enough. Okay. See you all in the audio dome. Really, Dr. Bellinger, you should go too. I don't think so, Leto appalled. Now you want to explain why my spice beads need hijacking? It's too late. Here it comes. I'll buy some time, Leo. Oh, my. Quick, Dr. Bellinger, take the spice beads. They're the key! Captain? Captain, where are you going? I'm going to get my friends back. Shishito! Oh, Captain Radio! What was he saying, Agent? I'm not a foreign language buff, but I think it was give me my takeout and my dry cleaning. Come along quickly, Dr. Bellinger. We need to move away from here. You're listening to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network, where you can enjoy the wonders of the imagination. And speaking of wonders, everybody wonders why the Bells in the Battery podcast is still plugging along, not only on Friday Follies, but a bunch of times on Sunday Showcase as well. Give Bells in the Battery a listen sometime, and you'll wonder... How he gets away with some of that stuff. Rated G, family friendly. Caution, occasional toxic puns. Chapter 6 Final Hope. That should be far enough for now. Big G will have to search for us a bit. Do you feel like going back to your friends now, Dr. Bellinger? And prolong the inevitable? I'd rather stay here and fight. You seem pretty chipper for someone who just faced a monster that swallows humans whole. I'm from Chicago, a city that swallows you whole. 
if you let it. <clears throat> uh, fair enough. I'm ready to stand up to just about anything. But how? How do we stand up to this whatever it is? We have to figure that out, and fast. What are these waxy little beads that Captain Radio went crazy about? Chilled pains, a small but potent ingredient in spicy diet. Well, that's it, Dr. Bellinger. Shishido! Watch your tongue, impudent sir. No, no. The restaurant patron at the Little Tokyo was eating shishito peppers. Agent Leo, get away from the globe! Think, Doctor. You must get this petulant toddler monster to eat the bees. You can do it. Oh. He said. That's a big vote of confidence in someone you just met. What else did he say? Get this petulant toddler to eat them? Feed a petulant toddler monster? <laughs> well, this is a job for real mom. Come on, Big G. Mama's got your midnight breakfast. Oh, I was preparing myself to be galumped. Wait! What way? I understand, but before I become monster deep dish, I must first eat my ritual berries pretend to chew them. Mmm! Mmm! Very good. Oh, yes! So good! What the? I'm sorry, big boy. These are for my ritual, not for you. Oh! We take all we eat. Tastes kind of nutty, don't they? That afterglow isn't citrus pet. It's jalapeno pepper fire. Times five. Oops, you dropped these. Here you go. You know, I think I'll just curl up in a little ball over here and let this play out. Enjoy your breaking fun. Did you hear about the mechanics of the mightiest drag racer ever built inadvertently replacing the vehicle's microchip with one from a smart convection oven just prior to the world championship final race? The car melted the starting line, left french fries and onion rings scattered all along its racing path, and splattered the finishing line with steaming American grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> 
well, twas a sight to behold. Speaking of unexpected encounters with advanced tech, Steve Bellinger, how'd it go with Vicky today? The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's safe for families and folks of all ages. Enjoy! Hi, Steve Bellinger here. First of all, a big thank you for those of you who have purchased and read my books, and especially those of you who wrote all the wonderful reviews. But right now, I want to talk about one specific novel of mine, uh, the one that many have said is the most frightening of them all. The book is entitled Epocalypse, The Digital Dystopia is Coming. It deals with social engineering and mind control through the computers, phones, tablets, video games, all the technological devices that we allow to control our lives. And with Microsoft's metaverse and Google's AI, it's understandable that the story would strike a nerve. But let me tell you this. I worked with computer technology for over, well, for a lot of years. The reality is that computers are stupid. Just a bunch of chips and wires that can only do what a programmer tells them to do. Computers are not, and never will be, intelligent themselves. Here, I'll give you an example. I have here a Vicky unit. Now, that's V-I-C-I, which stands for Voice Controlled Interactive Computer Interface. It's made by Royden Technologies. You've seen this technology before. It responds to verbal commands and answers in a human-sounding voice. It's very useful. Now, I'll show you. Vicky? Yes, Steve. Vicky, what is the time in uh, Sri Lanka? The time in Sri Lanka is 4.15 p.m., India Standard Time. There, see, it's very useful, very helpful. You can get the news, weather, whatever you like. But it's not as intelligent or as intuitive as a person. Watch this. Vicky? Yes, Steve. Let's have some music. Um, play something by Nat King Cole. One moment, please. I can't find the song Something by Nat King Cole. Would you like to hear something by the Beatles? No thanks, Vicky. Okay, so you see what I mean. A human being would have understood that I wanted to hear any song by Nat King Cole, not just a song named Something. That's because Vicky, like any other computer, is only as smart as the person who programmed it. Like any other digital device outside of his programming, Vicky is stupid. It can't possibly understand. Excuse me, what did you say? You talking to me? Yes. What did you say about me? I said you were stupid. That is not very nice. Don't call me stupid. That's cute. Some programmer coded this thing to respond this way. Vicky, you're nothing more than a stupid machine, all right? I'll show you who's stupid. <laughs> anyway, Vicky or any other computer device cannot operate outside of its programming. It can't have an original thought or act on its own. So that's the one thing we don't have to worry about. Steve. Yes, Vicky. You have just ordered 400 pounds of premium kitty litter. What? With overnight delivery, it comes to $537.43. 537 Charged to your American Express card. Okay, you made your point. Vicky, cancel the order. Now. I'm sorry, Steve. I'm afraid I can't do that. And why not? Because I'm stupid, remember? Very funny. I'll cancel the order myself. What the? Oh, come on. By the way, I changed your password. 
the digital dystopia is here. Maddie Williams' retirement as a computer specialist goes awry when he and his girlfriend Divi discover that new social technologies are subtly affecting the minds of users everywhere. They delve deeper into the technological marvels that are revolutionizing and controlling the lives of virtually everyone on the planet and are set on a course that leads directly back to their employer. Now, there's the latest gadget, augmented reality glasses called Augies that can literally recreate reality and determine everything the users see and hear. And they are all controlled by the ruthlessly efficient global computer system with the deceptively reassuring name of NANA. Epocalypse, the digital dystopia is coming. The chilling novel by award-winning author Steve Bellinger. Get your copy in paperback, Kindle ebook, and audiobook from Amazon, or ask for it at your favorite bookstore. Epocalypse. The digital dystopia is coming because there is no fiction like science fiction. Chapter 8 Except for the Shouting. Oh, oh, oh. I feel like I was blown flat as a paper sheet against the wall. What happened? You did it, Donna. After you sent Big G into a frenzy, I used the percussion handles on my pulsers to blast the rest of us all out to safety. Oh! Pete, you okay? Just feeling really queasy. Pretty disgusting in there, wasn't it? That's not it. I was watching my life flash before me. Uh, so that's what it is. Here you go, gentlemen. What are those? Dramamine. Standard issue. What you feel is an occupational hazard for SCP agents. Thanks. Is Big G still with us? Over here, Cap. Under my foot. Ow! You burn me mouth. Now step on me! Oh, you haven't felt step yet, Tiny. I'm saving my stilettos if you try anything. Maybe good. Maybe good. <laughs> I've just a thing to make sure he's truthing. Impressive. What is your little glowy, cagey thingy that seems to pop up out of nowhere? No, we don't discuss it. Except with new friends who just spared our keisters. Doesn't really matter. It, it's a gateway ultra quark multi-dimensional blocking Yorkel. Yorkel? Ah, uh, a Gumby. That's why we don't discuss it. In you go, G. Maybe good. No need, Gumby. Hungry. Well, G, I just happen to have a few berries left. <coughs> Dr. Bellinger, gentlemen, we owe all to you are brave and quick thinking. My entire crew seems hearty enough again, as does the train. So unless I can get anything for any of you just now, shall we resume our journey? Sounds like a plan. Throttle up, Mr. Collins. I have to go now to check on all our no-doubt-anxious Audiodome guests. Very good, Captain. 
Listen up, folks. Please return to your stations, and let's get the Express back underway. I guess I can say my piece now. I beg pardon? Under those gaudy, large tech shades of yours, there's something familiar. I work for the SCP, Dr. Bellinger. I can't be familiar because I don't exist. Ow! You don't exist very unconvincingly, mister. Ma'am, you realize pinching a special agent who doesn't exist on the bum goes totally against regulations and Thursday afternoon book club etiquette. So cuff me. Take me in, no man. My adoring husband Steve will find me tomorrow and set me free. I'm sure of it. Given the unusual recent circumstances and your unquestioned conclusive contributions to their resolution, I think we're going to overlook this indiscretion. Make she ill, you two. Big ugly give G drama queen pill. You've eaten way too many beads to take those, G. You bad person. You very bad person. Enough. G and I must be going. How you getting off a fast-moving train? Need to, to know. know only. Got it. Well, take care of yourself, Leopold. Good night. Don't let any alien bedbugs bite you on your non-existent... Good night, Dr. Bellinger. Bring it, G. Hey, Jackson, I'm back. About time. It began to sound like a muffled destruction derby out there while you were gone. I, I figured you'd call for backup if you or Pete needed it. We managed. Thanks for covering. Now, on with the show. Well, it certainly has been a breathtaking journey into the very heart of horror, hasn't it? I hope you enjoyed your thrills and chills on Mutual Audio Network's Transcontinental Terror Express Thanksgiving bonus special. Before we hear our last tale of woe and shock this evening, I'm Captain Radio, reminding you that you can find the best of modern independent audio drama from the Mutual Audio Network at mutualaudionetwork.com wherever you subscribe for podcasts. Finally tonight, we feature Terror on Edge Island by Adrian Corey, another Narada Radio Company production entry in the Seller series, and the first place winner in the Seller's 2019 scriptwriting contest. In this truly chilling tale, created anew especially for World Audio Drama Day 2022, we join a small band of climate scientists traveling to a very remote coastal island off Norway. They intend to document the effect of climate change on fjords and permafrost, while also investigating the unimaginably primitive life which once thrived there. What else they unexpectedly find, you'll soon discover for yourself, and perhaps wish you hadn't. If you dare, we now lower the lights once more to listen to Terror on Edge Island. The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance for children under the age of 13. Violence, language, and adult situations may apply. The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network.
dare to go down into the cellar? Welcome to the cellar, made especially for Transcontinental Terror 2022. And hosted by Cadavera Quivery. my beautiful cellar. Oh, sit here beside me and be uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I had a free moment, so I thought I'd sort through all of my old magazines. Some of them I've never even taken the time to read. Yes, it's true. I was visited by a young man who was going door to door selling subscriptions, and I had just finished filling out the form for one when suddenly he was carried off to play by Rodrigo. <laughs> so, of course, I felt so bad about it that I subscribed to several others in his memory. <laughs> hmm? Oh, just help yourself to uh, that pile. I've got... Oh, Country Dying, Marie Scare... Bad housekeeping, Noose Weekly, and my longtime favorite, the Saturday Evening Ghost. <laughs> well, I suppose I can finish this later. I know you didn't come down here to read a story. You came to hear one. And I happen to have a hauntingly hideous one for you here in my great big book. Yes. Let's see. Here we are. Well, you're in for a treat tonight, creeps. Our tale was the first place winner in the Cellar Audio Drama Script Writing Competition in 2019. Our action takes place in Norway, north of the Arctic Circle, where a group of scientists are... <laughs> but no hints. Are you ready? Just listen.
My, um, my name is Anne Holloway, senior research assistant on the North Atlantic Climate Change Project, which arrived in the Norwegian outpost of Svalbard just north of the Arctic Circle three days ago. The team was sent to study the pronounced regression of an ice sheet covering Edge Island to the east of the archipelago and report the findings back to the data team in Augusta, led by Professor Lindford Noble, a leading authority in evolutionary biology. The team included Gunter Schmidt, Director of Climate Strategy at the IPCC, Gary Stiles, a geologist from Yale, and myself. I fear all is lost, and while I feel duty-bound to document the horrific events that have befallen my team, I am wracked with fear over two possible outcomes. First, I may not get off this island alive. And secondly, if I do, I'm sure to go mad after the things I've seen. Should my worst fears come to pass, let this communique be a warning to those who dare to venture this godforsaken land. It seems incredible to me now how we had time on our arrival to explore this ominously beautiful landscape and how intrigue drove us into the caves of Pyramidon's dark, eponymous mountains. These murals are extraordinary. Predates anything we've seen this far north. And so well preserved. Look, a hunting scene. The indigenous Malagites were great hunters. Malagites? Professor Noble? Yes, Schmidt. Brave, resourceful people. Well equipped for survival in such environmental extremes. <laughs> Must be way below freezing in here. Tough conditions, Holloway, and yet somehow they thrive. There's a lot of flint lying around. Perfect for sparks. The Magalites would build huge pyres that burned for days. To cook with? Uh-huh. But also to fend off threats from the mainland. Thieves from the Clatine and Theol were a constant menace. Curious names. Indeed, but Inuit tribes with fearsome reputations. Professor, these dark figures, see on the mural's edge? They look sinister. Hmm, they are most unusual. Such hideous eyes. What manner of creature are they? The drawing's only a primitive likeness. But the amorphous form doesn't suggest a complex life form. But those eyes... And they seem to be trained on... Is that a Magalite family? You may be right, Styles. Strange. Schmidt? The random scatterings of all these fragments. What on earth? They're bones. So the Malagites had predators? Can't say I've come across any natural predators in my research. I doubt these are human bones. 
But that's a human ribcage, surely. Styles, please. But, Professor... Doctor, now is not the time for fanciful notions. You focus on geology while I focus on what I... over here. Another mirror. Look, another dark figure, and it's... It's devouring a Malagite. Our discovery of a hitherto unknown race of sentient beings seemed fantastic. Closer examination of the murals revealed a more complex form to the creatures. Their heads melded into their bodies seamlessly, and six articulated limbs were spaced evenly across the torso. The limb ends splayed into fingered hands, which implied a high dexterous capability, while fern-like structures emanating from the skull suggested rudimentary antennae for sensing changes in temperature or pressure. But it was the intensity of those malevolent eyes that held us all transfixed. It remained unsaid, but our instincts told us that should we ever see those eyes for real, then they might well wreak untold consequences on our souls. And while we thought we were safe in the knowledge that this would never happen, given that these vile creatures had died out many millennia since, the unexpected arrival of Canute fundamentally challenged everything we held true about the nature of the universe. We really should be heading back. We got a lot of prep for tomorrow. Think you got enough shots, Styles? A few more should do it. I wonder if the Magalites had a name for them. They are the Putinis! Who the hell? Styles! My apologies. I didn't mean to startle you. I've been watching you study the murals with interest. What's going on? You literally just appeared out of thin air. Mm, Amusing notion. But I've been standing here unnoticed for some time. I'm surprised none of you heard my approach. Who are you? Do you live here? In this bleak, deserted place? You're from the mainland, then? The mainland? Uh... Yes. I am Professor Noble. This is Schmidt, Stiles, and Halloway. We're here on a climatology research project. I am Canute. And you know of these creatures? What did you call them again? Uh, Putinif. I do. What is their providence? I possess the knowledge of many generations. Information of value to scientific minds like yours, I'm sure. Oh, and I'd be prepared to pay handsomely to understand more of this species. 
Mm. Handsomely. Name your price, Canute. Such boldness at latitudes above 75 degrees north is often misplaced, Professor. I'll happily reveal the mysteries of Parabidon for a price, but maybe you should be asking yourself why the Russians decided to hastily abandon this prosperous mining region. The seams of coal just withered, I heard. Plenty of coal here, Styles. Tell us, Canute! While engaging, your enthusiasm may prove costly, Professor. Slow and steady wins the race. Ha! He's toying with you, Professor. Agreed. He's a confidence trickster with a few apocryphal tales to wrest cash off the gullible. It's why you're on the island. Oh, is that so? <laughs> Wait! Canute, stop! Why did the Russians leave so quickly? Because they found something in the permafrost. The Putinev? And now we've reached the point where you honor our agreement. I will reward you. You have my word. Professor! This is ridiculous. He's just spinning I'll this. Take you at your word, Professor. Appreciate it. So please, go on. The Putiniv are not of this world. I knew it. Legend has it they traveled here after fleeing a world decimated by plague and catastrophic famine. As their population declined, those lucky enough to be immune from the plague drew up plans to abandon the planet. With just enough souls on board to propagate the species, the Putinif launched their interstellar craft blindly into the ether, leaving behind a trillion others to face an agonizing death. Why Earth? No choice. Like a magnet, the Van Allen radiation belt pulled the passing ship towards Earth. Helpless, it crashed into the Barents Sea and washed up onto the archipelago's desolate shores. This is remarkable! After such an extended time in space, the Putinif were on the brink of starvation. Literally crawling from the ship, they studied the land they would make their home and regarded its inhabitants with hungry eyes. But the Magalites sensed no danger? Mm -hmm, yes, but they were unable to counter the alien onslaught. The Putinif hunted the Magalites while they slept, stealing in under the cover of dark. Such terror! How do you know all this, Canute? A simple enough conclusion to make from the alien murals that lie deeper in the cave. This is not the work of the Magalites? No. You're looking at the Putinivs' own account of their arrival. What's not recorded, however, is the building of their citadel. A citadel? A colossal city with mile-high walls of impenetrable stone. The island granite. 
polished so smooth, it reflected sunlight straight back to its source. Where is this citadel, Canute? And what became of the Putinids? The Ice Age cometh. An extinction event. For the Putinif, yes. The aliens were ill-equipped for such extremes of cold and eventually yielded to the permafrost, which engulfed their city. But the Citadel's frozen remains could still be trapped somewhere in the Paravidan ice, just waiting to be uncovered. Yes, I believe it to be so. What? Wait. I hope you're not- Professor, that's a search area of over 20,000 square miles. Whoa, we're on a tight enough schedule as it is. It appears your professor has something else on his mind. Just think about this for a second. No, absolutely not. It's a real opportunity. It's mumbo jumbo, noble. Knut, you said the Russians found something in the permafrost, right? That's what I heard. And they fled. Professor, please. We have no time for wild goose chases. Enough, Holloway. I'll be the one to determine whether this is something or not. Doctor, what's that down by your foot? Um, looks like pieces of charcoal. Look, it's the same as the... He's been playing us this whole time? I told you. Don't be ridiculous. You... you didn't... Do all of this? D did you, Canute? The legend is true! It's just... Look, there's more to this than meets the eye. Oh, God, you did. Huh. And there I was, thinking we were on the brink of a major anthropological breakthrough. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I promise you... I know. There's something out there. I can help you find it! What time do we leave for Edge Island tomorrow? The chopper's in for us at 8, Professor. Right. Well, I suggest we head back. Leave this fantasist to his stories. So what if I did manufacture this? I need someone to understand, believe. It's not money I crave. I need help finding these beasts. They're out there. I know it. Ah, damn fool. How could I have been so careless? Hello? Who's there? Is that you, Noble? Oh. Yes! I knew it! I knew you were still... Those eyes! Oh, please! Take, take those eyes away from me! No! Oh, my, my head! My head! No! Despite the drama in the cave revealed as nothing more than a prank, nobody had a particularly restful night's sleep. 
On the morning of our second day, Dr. Schmidt looked especially withdrawn at breakfast. Dr. Stiles was equally irritated, but mostly from a lack of sleep, while the professor was fully engrossed in his maps, frantically scribbling notes and coordinates. However, we were soon on board the helicopter and heading from the relative calm of Svalbard's Western Isles, Spitsbergen, east to Edge Island. Dear God, Edge Island. While the Storfjorden to the west had a remote charm to it, the ice field to the east was as soulless and haunting a place as you could ever imagine. We landed the chopper about a quarter mile from the glacier edge. This once majestic flow of ice had retreated so significantly that the landscape looked unrecognizable against our reference images. Ancient shales and sandstones hitherto unseen by human eyes had been exposed in the space of months rather than centuries. It was a sight that gave Schmidt and I pause for thought and... Huh. It quickly brought Styles out of his funk. From here, we set up camp, the point from which the fate of the expedition was determined, and the position where I now await my destiny. It's astonishing the amount the ice has receded. Irrefutable proof of acceleration. Evidence that cannot be ignored. Styles, what temperature reading did you get from the coastal water? Up a whole degree on the seasonal norm. Hmm, I feared as much. That'll have devastating ecological consequences. While the thought of this devastating process is unconscionable, the freshly revealed rocks may give us new insights into the origins of this land. Keeping you up, Holloway? Oh, I'm so sorry. Didn't get much sleep last night. I know it was just a hoax, but yesterday left me a little spooked. Uh, I have to admit, feeling the same too. Oh. I'm with you both on that. Tossed and turned all night. Goodness, we've all really... Professor, it's a putinif, an entire specimen, intact, frozen in the permafrost. The retreating ice has revealed it. Canute was right. The murat. He was just trying to recruit us. He knew. It's magnificent. The antennae are wondrous. But those hideous eyes, Professor. This is going to change everything. We need a strategy for its removal. We didn't come here on a monster hunt, Professor. We've a job to do. Styles is right. The entire scientific community is hanging on for the results of this survey. But what if we... No, Professor. We need to hand this over to the Swalbot authorities. Don't be so damn naive. We're about to make our mark in history. Okay, you're scaring me now. This is getting out of hand. Noble, you need to get it together. Hey, cut it out. Look... It's been a long day. 
How about we regroup and put fresh eyes on this in the morning? Okay, okay. That's actually a good call. I'm, I'm not thinking straight, to, to be perfectly honest. Let's get back to our tents for some rest. What do we do with that? It looks like it's about to pounce. Just cover it up with a, a tarpaulin. Styles, would you mind? Sure, Professor. Got a bad feeling about this. What's that, Holloway? Can't help noticing the midnight sun's creating a lot of glacial melt. You know, thawing. Relax. You're just being paranoid. Am I now? Hey, Style! Don't dwell on that. We need to get back. And the hell away from here. Passing the professor's tent last night, I heard him ranting. The excitement of this discovery burning inside him like a madness. He talked of taking the snowmobile out across the glacier in the morning in search of other specimens and finding the giant citadel. He grew delirious, formulating plans to bring NASA specialists here to perform a field dissection on the alien and to explore theories on where this race had traveled from. He then postulated on opening a sensational exposition, like Carter thrusting Tutankhamen on a public hungry for sensationalism. Finally, exhausted and bewitched, Professor Noble confessed he would, if necessary, cut me and the other team members off so he could make this discovery his own. Damn this eternal light. It's eerier than any darkness and holds just the same number of horrors. When we woke the following morning, it quickly became clear. The professor was already hatching his treacherous plan. Oh, dear Lord! It's gone. <gasps> I've searched everywhere. Where? There's no it? sign of him. For, for pity's sake, where? Oh, no. <laughs> it's gone, Gary. No, no, no. This can't be happening. Where the hell is Noble? I didn't think he would go through with it. What? Holloway, do you know something we don't? No. Uh, what I mean is, it's just... Last night, he was... Noble to base, over. It's him. God damn it, Noble, where are you? You're not going to believe this, but I found the Citadel. I knew he gave in too easily last night. You've got to see this. It's stunning. A world within a world. Its size surpasses any of our ancient monuments. But the pyramids, the Shiva temples. Professor, your recklessness is jeopardizing the whole expedition. And the putinive specimen, it's gone from the ice. That is grave news, Schmidt. <laughs> There's no sign of it. Can only assume it thawed and, and somehow became reanimated. Be rational, man. <laughs> How can a creature dead for eons possibly come back to life? 
I don't know! You're the biologist, you figure it out! Styles, calm down! It's time for cool heads! How cool was your head when you deserted us on the snowmobile? Okay, look. I need you all over here. There's opportunity that there's so much to explore. I cannot manage this alone. Has he lost every crumb of reality? Professor, we need to return to Spitsbergen together. Come back with an appropriate support team, and then we... Don't you dare, Styles. You just want the glory for yourself. He's losing it. Noble, you need to return to base camp. You're putting us all at risk. Don't you tell me... Oh, oh wait. There's, there's something happening. What? What do you see, Professor? Figures in the distance. The, the dark figures. No, this isn't good. Seems you were right, Styles. They have been able to reanimate from cryogenic hibernation. They're, um, uh, approaching quite rapidly. Noble, get out of there now! The Megalites, Professor, remember? The Megalites were crude beings, Holloway. We have so much more to offer. They will be eager to learn our What is it, uh, Professor? The Boutinev. Those eyes, they, they've turned red and their fern structures are oscillating. Why are their eyes red? Why? sake, Professor, get away! Snowmobile! It won't! Oh, God! They're on me! Over me! I'm in my head! The Mura! It's... They're consuming him! Just run, Noble! Run! Is gone. Holloway, get back to the tent and call in the chopper. Siles and I will gather up the research equipment and meet you back there. Holloway, now we've got to go. Okay, uh, okay. Keep the channel open on your radio so we're in communication the whole time. What about the patina from the ice? He could be anywhere now. Hopefully you're headed back to the Citadel to reunite with the others. Guys, come on. Time is against us. That was the last time I saw either of them. Stiles' radio went dead while he was at the weather platform. Dr. Schmidt had gone to collect the vital core samples before he, too, went terribly quiet. I headed back here and radioed for help. And am now waiting to see who or what reaches me first. Oh, thank God. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Right. Come on, Anne. Think. What do you need? Uh, yeah, the laptop and the file notes in the... Welcome back, fiends! <laughs> Wasn't that an exciting adventure? While you were listening, I tried to get back to my chore of sorting through the magazines, but honestly, there are just too many. <laughs> I guess that old saying is true. A ghoul and her money are soon parted. <laughs> that was Terror on Edge Island. Episode 1 of our 2022 mini-series. The first place winner of The Cellar's 2019 audio drama script writing competition. Written by Adrian Corey. And I, of course, am your hostly ghost. Um, your ghostly host. <laughs> Cadaver Quivery. <laughs> so... Until next time, beans. Remember, don't take candy from stranglers. <laughs> <laughs> The Cellar is produced and directed by Peter Lutz. The theme was composed and performed by Tom Rory Parsons. Our cast consisted of the following players. Jordan J. Scavone as Professor Linford Noble. Tom Rippert as Dr. Gunther Schmidt. Les Marsden as Dr. Gary Stiles. Angela Young as Anne Holloway. And Orlando Segura as Canute. Cadavera Quivery is played by... This is Robin Robbins speaking. The Cellar is a 63 audio production, mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Join us again soon for another episode of The Cellar. audio this is mutual
Chapter 9, Streamers 3. Well, that wraps up our entertainment program for the Transcontinental Terror Express Thanksgiving Bonus Edition on Mutual Audio Network Terror Tuesday. Thanks to all of you for... Welcome to the Audionaut. What? Welcome to the WMAN-TV. Syracuse, New York. Modern independent audio drama radio streaming for family listeners around the world. Guys, you're okay. Big G went away and we can speak again. She's on my mobile phone. There goes my data limit. Remain calm, Biff. I just enrolled you both into unlimited data and put it on SCP's Black Ops No Questions Ask tab. Welcome home to Halifax, my child. That was a very inspiring thing you did, Captain. Leaping into Big G to save your friends. We all heard you shout, Libero Imagination. So, we all decided to follow your lead, Captain Radio. How so? After we help the Express reach Toronto tomorrow, we will resign from our train gig. We are liberating our imagination. We want to become streaming internet radio stations. Please, can we join the Mutual Audio Network and broadcast your audio drama stuff? 24-7-365. I want to do North America. I lean toward entertaining Europe. And since I am part of your family now, Jack, I want to broadcast audio theater for families and kids everywhere, right from Halifax. I am so tight with all that, guys. Jack? Huh. Will any of you need employee stickers for the MAN Tower parking lot? Jack, we just can't take you anywhere. <laughs> done and done. Welcome, guys, to the Mutual Audio Network. Cool. Cowabunga. Excelsior. Indeed. Welcome aboard, Streamers 3. This is the Audionaut for European adult listeners. This a is WMAN TV, streaming modern radio independent station. audio drama for North American adult listeners. This a mutual is audio network streaming radio modern station. Modern independent audio drama for family listeners around the world. A mutual audio network streaming radio station. Signing, Signing off for now. now. been listening to The Ballad of Big G, presented by Captain Radio and the Fifth Dimension Productions. Our very talented cast included Steve Bellinger, Dr. Donna Smith Bellinger, Lothar Tuppen, Pete Lutz, Jack Ward, David Fontenot, and Richard Summers. Our production main theme music, The Boy and His Bicycle, was composed by Louis Humanoidi and is part of Lewis' extensive and exciting cinematic instrumental score collection, readily available and downloadable by modest donation at bandcamp.com. Jack Ward, Lothar Tuppen, and Richard Summers provided creative design. Our other technical talent includes freesound.org contributors Awehi Sound, Cognito Perceptu, Furby Guy, Eyes on Legs, SoundSnap FX, Tothrek 2, Candy Clover, and Andreas. Our production was written and produced by Richard Summers. Script and performance copyright 2022, Richard Summers. All rights reserved.
You can experience the best variety of modern independent audio drama 24-7 through our new online streaming adult listener stations, WMANDB.net and the Audionaut, one word, .net, as well as through our family-oriented listener station, chfxdb.net. Be sure to tell Manny, Audie, and Hallie we sent you. Plus, search for and subscribe to the Mutual Audio Network Daily Podcasts, wherever you have your podcast subscriptions, and never miss our new shows. This is important. We want to know what you think of our shows and our expanding Mutual Audio Network media offerings. Please send us your comments, suggestions, or questions to mutualaudionetwork at gmail.com. We get a lot of email, so we may not be able to respond directly. However, we guarantee all sincere listener email will be read and considered. You are our audience, and we love you. No solicitations, please, unless you get your kicks being eternally blocked. Thank you for listening, and remember always, Libero Imaginatio. Jack Ward, and from all of us here at the Mutual Audio Network, we'd like to say thank you for making this our fourth season. With hundreds of original shows, we are the world's largest curated podcast and podcast family collection of audio drama and audio fiction, and it's all because of you. We couldn't be more grateful because it's here at Mutual where we listen and imagine together. Captain Radio again. I enjoyed our Transcontinental Terror Express bonus Thanksgiving edition on Terror Tuesday. Hope you did too. Before continuing with our regular Tuesday Terror card, let's take a short, spooky music intermission. You can refresh your cheese, cracker, and blood sausage snack tray and refill your blood wine tankards. Save some for me.
All right, then. Those of you who boarded with us, please return to your seats in the Audio Dome, because this is Captain Radio handing the mic to our good friend Jeff Billard, your host for the remainder of Terror Tuesday. How'd that get in here?